I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World. Author Gish Jen stopped by our studio today. You might know Jen from some of her novels like Typical American and Mona in the Promised Land. Her novels explore the rift in the Chinese-American identity between East and West. In her latest book, Tiger Writing, Art, Culture, and the Interdependent Self, Jen turns a spotlight on her own identity as a novelist in the West with roots in the East, or as she calls it, her struggle between Emerson and Confucius. I grew up in an Asian household with a lot of Confucian ideas and very fundamentally to define myself in relationship to others. The most important thing in my household was to understand what my role was, my responsibilities were, what my duties were. Um, And of course, that was in very sharp contrast to the um, world outside my household where the important thing was to know myself. It was not about knowing my role. It was about knowing the truth within. All ideas, of course, which were just anathema to my parents. Could you just give me an example of, you know, how that changed from inside the walls of your home growing up and outside? All I can think is what my mother will say when I say (laughs) (laughs) I mean, give us a sense of what it was like outside the house and why that was so different to your eyes. You know, I would go to my friends' houses and uh, people were always asked what they wanted to eat. Right? So what would you like, you know? Would you like your coffee black or with milk, you know? You're always given a choice. Um, In my family, there was absolutely no choice. Uh, Quite the contrary. Um, If you were to sort of uh, maybe push your broccoli aside a little bit because you were not too interested in broccoli, you would be made to eat all the broccoli on the table while your siblings watched. You know, so these are two very, very different models. You know, one model is you eat what you are given, and the other model is, oh, well, you can pick and choose. Well, not to mention discovering the word dessert for the first time (laughs) (laughs) at your friend's house. (laughs) Absolutely. In my house, there was no dessert. (laughs) So how does that translate? How does that tension translate into actually writing? Well, of course, it's a very complicated thing for a novelist because the Western novel, that novel is very fundamentally a very individualistic enterprise, right? And more than anything else, you have to learn to focus on the self. These were not the foci of my upbringing, um, but it was something that I learned, I will say, quite readily from books. So in China, for example, does that narrative not exist? Is it a different style of presentation of stories? I do think that the traditional novel in China has a very uh, different aspect. If you think of something like The Three Kingdoms, that great epic, you know, it begins, you know, the kingdom long united must divide. It ends the kingdom long divided must unite, right? That's not the Western narrative. The Western narrative, we have beginning, middle, end. By the end, something has changed. You know, in the, in the Eastern narrative, you may have beginning, middle, by end, but by the end, things look a lot the way they looked in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, there's a really clear example of that uh, in this book, which actually, the book is three lectures that you gave at Harvard about a year and a half ago, right? Right. In that first lecture, you describe your father's autobiography uh, that he wrote at the age of 86. Uh, he's now 93. He builds it as his autobiography, but uh, the starting point is 4,000 years ago. <laughs> um, he doesn't even mention himself until page eight. Uh, what was it like reading that? I mean, what happens 4,000 years ago? Yeah, you know, it was a very strange experience because, of course, it was completely familiar to me in one way, but in another way, it was completely strange to me. Um, 
not only does my father uh, not talk about himself until page eight, and he really barely talks about himself, but also this tremendous amount of, of emphasis given to his house. I remember reading this and thinking, my goodness, you know, isn't this supposed to be about the people? Why, why is it about the house, the doors in the house, the corridors in the house, navigating the house? And it really wasn't until I had dug a little more that I realized, like, oh, I see. It is because he is fundamentally of an Eastern mindset, which is to say that he is focused on his context. He is always looking outward rather than inward. And that, that does give rise to a very, very different kind of narrative. At any point in that autobiography, does he ever look inward? Uh, not, not in the way that <laughs> that, that we expect, um, you know, from Western narratives. And when you say what we expect, are you talking kind of a more touchy feely, kind of introspective? Sure, manner? you know, it's you know, and you know how I reacted, how I felt, you know, <laughs> what I wanted. Uh, you know, these are are, are are not questions which arise at all um, in his autobiography. Um, this pull between East and West is something that you've explored a, a lot in your fiction. Mona, the protagonist from Mona in the Promised Land, decides to go against her family and convert to Judaism. How was it different to write about this tug between East and West uh, in nonfiction for you? Well, you know, in a funny kind of way, I feel like I've come out of the closet. You know? <laughs> I mean, of course, I have been writing about it all the way along. The literary world is so dominated by an individualistic frame of mind that it just seemed that to admit that I was part that, but part something else. It was hard for me. The lectures you gave in, in this book that emerged from it uh, came after your father started writing. Was that kind of the trigger for you, the, the thinking about all this stuff, or you've been thinking about it all your life? Well, I've been thinking it all, all about all my life in various literary gatherings. You know, I had noticed that this other self kind of would appear, and I had noticed that I recognized that person. Um, for example, I was at an East-West conference, uh, writers' conference, and and it was a young Chinese writer there, and she was asked why she wrote. And uh, she did not say, you know, that she wrote to bear witness or to tell stories or to be in communion with Jane Austen. Uh, she said that she wrote because she uh, didn't like to go out, and she thought that by writing novels she could make money and stay home. That was very funny, yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember listening to that and thinking, wow, you know, only a Chinese person would say that. What does that suggest then to you about uh, kind of a younger generation of, of Asian American writers? Well, I'm hoping that my book will be liberating for them. Many, many, many people have come up to me, and of course, they feel this tension. You know, the writers feel it especially acutely, but many, many people feel it. My hairdresser feels it, who's Brazilian-American. Um, and I think that um, having it out um, in public is something that they can discuss. I'm hoping it will feel liberating for them. Did you ever feel, do you still feel uh, hemmed in as an Asian-American writer, forced to confront this kind of feet-in-two-worlds narrative? But has this been liberating for you, writing this book? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a way in which um, certainly there are times in my career when I felt very between two worlds, you know, and, and that was kind of an uncomfortable feeling, and feel, you know, this feeling of constant negotiation. Um, but now it feels like that same position feels like a kind of passport. I can be in either world really perfectly comfortably. So it seems like a great gift to me today. Author Gish Jen, her latest book is Tiger Writing, Art, Culture, and the Interdependent Self. Gish Jen reads from that book. We have the exclusive video at theworld.org. Gish Jen, thank you very much for coming in. It's my pleasure. 